Good morning once again, baseball fans, and welcome back to the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and with me, as always, is my beautiful bride, the one, the only, Nika. Hello, and thank you for the wonderful welcoming morning. Don't you dare screw up my awesome intro. It was really good. Thanks. Um, all right, well, today is April 22nd, and we almost saw a perfect game yesterday. Almost. Thank you, Jan Gomes, for climbing on the pitcher's back. We'll get back to that flirtation with perfection in a minute. What else have we got on this show today? I think uh, we're going to be talking a little showtime. Showtime? Otani? Otani was back on the bump last night and looking fantastic. And the Rays. <laughs> the Rays can't lose at home. Uh, the Rays are 11-0 and at home and have moved to 17-3 and on the season. Even when they were trailing, heading into the bottom of the ninth, the White Sox just couldn't put them away. Yeah, it started pretty interesting, yeah. All right, well, we're going to talk about all of this and uh, look forward to today's games and give you a little preview of what we're going to be watching for for the rest of the weekend. Let's get the show on the road, I guess. All right, well, let's just start back at Wrigley Field yesterday with that perfect game. It was the only game on yesterday afternoon, so... It was on, and it just was one of those things that you just start seeing happen, you know, like, oh, oh, they don't have a hit. No, wow. Yeah, what what inning did you realize it was a perfect game? I think in the sixth is when I I realized it, and from then on, you, you were kind of glued to your seat. Is he going to be able to keep it going? And he, and he did get through the seventh. He did. So that was exciting, you know, to get down to the final six. I mean, even 21 straight in a row is it's pretty amazing it's pretty amazing um but it's not a perfect game and i think i saw a lot of people giving jan gomes a lot of flack online for the play um i i don't know if they get him out if the ball's fielded cleanly without problems anyway it's a stupid way unfortunately for a perfect game to end you know but it's that's the game of baseball too yeah and it was hit in a perfect spot yeah, as as good as a bunt single, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, it was a hard play. Well, no doubt about it. Um, but it was really fun to watch, and I, I know Smiley came back and struck out the last guy that he faced, and before Grandpa Rossi came in and took him out. Um, but he got a really nice ovation from the fans at Wrigley yesterday, and he deserved it. He almost did something that has only been done only twenty three times in the history of baseball. The last time it was uh, through Jake Arrieta. No, you're just talking about a no hitter, but I'm talking about a perfect game, which oh, is like 27 up, 27 down, and and that goes back to like the 1800s, you know. Oh shit, that that's been a while then. Oh yeah, it's wow. it's it does not happen very often, which is why it would have been the last one was in like uh, the 2010s. It was Felix Hernandez on the Seattle Mariners did it, wow. so that would have been fun. But um, I wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about the Cubs because they've been one of the biggest surprises, I think, in baseball right now. And when you have a team that brings in a lot of new pieces from different teams, you know, like I'm talking Cody Bellinger, Trey Mancini, Dansby Swanson, and you mesh them together with this weird core of players that the Cubs have wound up with, with Seiya Suzuki, Nico Horner, Patrick Wisdom, all of a sudden you've got this team that's just mashing, you know, we're going to talk about the Padres later, and they are not DOA right now. They are the opposite of hitting 
Um, and we're going to talk more about that because it's infuriating to watch as a, as a baseball fan and someone that just grew up and taught baseball. Like these are mechanical basics breakdowns across the board. But the Cubs, the Cubs have the second highest run differential in baseball now. Um, after their 13 and nothing shellacking of the Dodgers yesterday, that, that will help you, um, move your run differential up a little bit, but they are now second only behind the, uh, the aforementioned Tampa Bay Rays who, who are just ridiculous, by the way, they, their run differential moved to 84. They are 141 runs scored 57 against ridiculous. Yeah. Cubbies are putting up good numbers. They are unexpected to do well. And they are performing outstanding at the moment. I mean, they're third in their division right now, yeah. partly because the Pirates are just on a five-game winning streak, uh, but also because, you know, the Milwaukee is just loaded with good pitching. We saw them win three out of four uh, in San Diego last week, and we saw the them p- do really well in Seattle as well. Um, so they're winning on the road with pitching, but the Cubs are scoring the runs and the Cubs all are, have a higher run differential than Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that division shakes out over the course of the season, you know, and I also got to mention, I am just shocked that St. Louis is down so low. It's funny you say that. I was just going to say, don't count, discount. The Redbirds. I know. They always find a way to get in there at the yep. end, don't they? They always do. I mean, it's so early. They're only four and a half games back. That's totally reversible. I'm sorry. They're six games back. It's early times. You can't I... really start talking about this stuff until the end of May. Sure. you need a larger sample size of games. And things can just move really quickly in a, in a week or two right now. Um I'm, I've got a question. Do the Cardinals have a new coach? A coach? No, they had a new coach last year. Last if you remember year. because they got rid of the coach that I believe Schilt, who who gave them that long winning streak the year before when they when they closed the season and they had this like ridiculous like long winning streak or they won like 21 out of 22 games or something to close the season i don't remember it was it was just stupid ridiculous and and then they got rid of that guy yeah 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 it was like a shock (laughs) it was yeah it was a shock to him and he's now actually believe it or not the i think he's the third base coach for the padres okay well that's good (laughs) i guess whatever just wish they get a hitting coach but (laughs) come back again we'll talk about that in a little bit but to kind of put a bow here on the Cubs, I wanted to talk about some of the things that we've been seeing that have contributed to this, you know, start that they have in this record. First of all, you got Patrick Wisdom now tied with Pete Alonso for the league lead in home runs. This is oddly strange for a few reasons. This guy was a rookie. Well, let's put it this way. He had never played more than 100 games in a season until he was 28 or 29 years old, which is just kind of like a late... It's a very late start. He's a late bloomer. <laughs> and now he looks like one of the perennial power hitters in baseball at like the age of 31, going on 32. And that just doesn't happen in this game. He is in his prime years right now as a professional baseball player. And I think it's important to remind people that wisdom has been around for a while. He just never got maybe the opportunity to play in the majors for different reasons. Who knows? I don't know the whole backstory of his 10-year career. Um, but I do know 
that when the Cubs did their fire sale a few years back and they started moving the pieces from that World Series team before their contracts expired, I'm talking about Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and uh, Javier Baez. When they traded him to the Mets, they traded Rizzo to the Yankees, and they traded Chris Bryant to the Giants. This was before, well, before the last year. This was when they did the great fire sale. That is what gave players like Patrick Wisdom an opportunity to come up and play on the big league roster for a prolonged period of time. And and another guy that was there was uh, Frank Schwindel at the time. But the, those two guys, I remember in particular, were given these opportunities because they the Cubs just wanted them to sort of babysit the position for a while. And... For Wisdom, he's just made the most of it. I think he's a fan favorite. I think he's obviously mashing. You know, he's in the top home run leaders in April. And he's, if unless things go really bad for him the rest of the month, he might have double-digit home runs going into May, which is just, wow, that's, that's a great month for any hitter. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> I remember the first year when he was with the Cubs, he was smashing the ball because the pitchers didn't know him at the very early. And I remember every single game he had a home run. I think a couple things come to mind here. You know, it just shows you that there's a lot of great baseball players out there that maybe never make it to the big leagues because they never get a an opportunity to play like Patrick Wisdom did at the age of 28 or 29, a, yeah. a little bit older. But having said that, he still has gotten valuable experience playing professional baseball, even if it wasn't in the majors. And you can see that he's a professional hitter. He doesn't have the highest average, but he's he's got, he, you know, he's not shabby. He's not in the lower end of batting averages right now in the league or anything just because he swings for the fences or something every time. Like, he looks like a pretty solid baseball player. He plays, what, third? Third base? I believe so. I think because he took over for Chris Bryant. Okay, it makes sense. I'm going to double check that. It makes sense that he plays third as a replacement. For some reason, I thought he was in the outfield, but I don't think he is. So, that's his positions. Third baseman, first baseman, and outfielder. I mean, it, it pretty much reads like Chris Bryant's resume a little bit. Versatile player, basically. Yeah, he had an opportunity to play multiple corner positions, corner infielder, corner outfielder. He's never going to play center field. He's too slow for that. Um but he, you can play your corner positions, and you want power from those positions. Sure, and he does have a power. Good job, Patrick Wisdom. Great job, Patrick Wisdom. It's kind of interesting to know he is making less than a million dollars this year, $763,000. It's funny when you look at him versus someone like that's really struggling, like Juan Soto, that's playing for this like enormous amount of money that's supposedly on the table for his future. Maybe it's better to have less money and... and not have the pressure of living up to the big dollar sometimes. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't I don't think Patrick Wisdom doesn't want to get paid. I, I bet he would love to get a, a three-year, $30 million contract. I mean, think about that. That's stupid money to a guy like him that's never made more than a million dollars a year in his life. You know, all of a sudden you're going to start throwing him 10 to play for a few years. I, I bet he does well. So he's playing on a one-year deal right now. And he's, oh, he is. he's playing for his baseball future. It is, it is interesting to compare, and, and, and maybe it is the signs of a maturity thing, where maybe. you have him at the age of 31 that's pe playing for his baseball life right now, and you have Juan Soto, who's 24, who's playing for his baseball life right now, and 
it's going very, very badly for one of those people, and it's going pretty well for a different for another one of those people. It's interesting to compare. Baseball salaries are going to continue to go up and up and up in price. There's more money in the game that over time. Ticket prices go up. Everything goes up. Food prices, you know. I saw somebody tweeted on Twitter yesterday that they paid $30 for a cocktail at a baseball game, and it's like, what good, cocktail? good for you, buddy. Uh, there's no cocktail on earth that's worth $30 to me. Was it, like, brought out from another country? I don't know. It's just crazy, though. And, and, and I saw people blaming it on inflation. And it's like, yeah, because, uh, well, anyways, I don't want to get off subject. Yeah, different um, topic. Good luck with your $30 cocktails out there, though. You, when we're talking about Cubs, you should mention Bellinger. Well, we kind of talked about how they have this odd group of players, but Cody Bellinger has seemed to found new life after struggling the past couple seasons with the Dodgers. Um, I, I thought Wrigley would be friendly to him and his swing, you know, as a lefty. So that's nice to see. I always thought he had a really great left-handed swing, and it was it was sad to watch him struggle after he had, you know, done so well early on in his career and even won an MVP award. So good to see. And then the Cubs as a team right now have the highest batting average in all of baseball. I think that's remarkable. In the whole MLB, they're two points higher than the Rays. The Rays, obviously, it would be up there, you would think, and they are. Um, But the Cubs have overtaken them. So they are just hitting, and as a a Cubs fan, you know, I love to see it. They were kind of going under the radar for predictions before the season started. Nobody put Cubs anywhere. I think they thought they might compete. You know, and it's it's too early to say that they're going to be standing at the end, but they are going to score runs. So if you're playing the Cubs, you better bring your bats with you. All right, moving from great offense, uh, let's move to some great defense or pitching, shall we say. And if you did not see it last night, the greatest baseball player on earth, Shohei Otani, Showtime, continues to dominate the league and seven shutout innings against uh, the lowly Kansas City Royals. This wasn't a big shocker to me, but it, I think we still got to talk about it because there's a bigger story blooming in the distance with Otani. And that is how are the Angels going to be doing at the All Star break? <laughs> Are they going to keep him? Well, it it sort of feels that that's the narrative that is coming into fruition, is that it's it's do or die time for the Angels as an organization. You've had Mike Trout for 10 years now, going on over a decade in your organization. Yes. Um, You've now had Otani and him play together for a couple of seasons because there was like some injury things going on there and like Otani was injured when he first got here and then Trout was injured in the 2022 I think or he he, he didn't play for one of the full seasons he, he was gone for a minute and and then when he came back he was like looking pretty good again and he looks good I just think the issue and and by the way he did sit yesterday's game but it was like a planned absence so it, there's nothing wrong with him um, day he'll be back in there today yeah it was his day off um so the bigger problem for the Angels, though, they haven't put the supporting talent around these two players. I looked at them. They're not even in the top 10 in earned run average, and yet Shohei Otani leads MLB in earned run average. So you have the best player on your team for ERA, but you, the rest of your pitchers must be doing really bad if you can't even hold on to the top 10. It's um, Otani carries the whole Angel team on his shoulders. It's- I don't think that's necessarily totally fair to say that he doesn't have the whole team on his shoulders but he does carry a large 
chunk of it. Chunk, as far as like being pitching and well, they rely on him for deep starts every five days and they rely on him to produce offense every day and he does that job however he also wants to win and the angels since he's been here are not winning and they supposedly have the best player in baseball and mike trout he's had three playoff at bats in his entire career it's getting to be a point where otani is 29 yeah and he's gonna be approaching the biggest free agency of his entire life this, this contract that he signs is going to be ginormous. He should get paid for two positions almost. We, we've talked about it enough on the three days of this podcast already. Four days with episode zero counted, I guess. But uh, the pressure of playing for money and whatnot. And again, Otani's playing for his financial future right now. And he's got a 0.64 ERA. He's got a 3-0 and record as a pitcher. He struck out 11 and walked two yesterday. Just domination. Yes, it's a bad Royals team, but you have to beat up on the teams you're supposed to beat up on. That's the rule. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be successful. So, obviously, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is Otani's doing nothing to prevent the Angels from winning. It's the That's a lot of the rest of the players that are. And... I think it's going to be a really tough decision. Nobody wants to trade the best player in baseball. No, but at some point you have to make that decision. Well, but you know, if he's can't... not going to sign with you anyway. No, but at some it... point you got to ask yourself, am I holding that person hostage? Well, you're not because he's a free agent at the end of the year. He the, oh. the point is, is do you want to let him walk without getting anything for him in return as an organization? That would be a bad business decision. Right. As as much as the Angels are the ones that gave him that opportunity and that chance to play both ways, it's like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving me that opportunity, but I want to win. And, yeah. and we're not at the same point. I think it's going to come to a head. That division is tough. <laughs> you got now the Rangers to deal with. The Rangers are getting off because they're playing um, the A's right now. That's like get healthy games for everybody. And then there's Astros. The Astros are going to be there. They're already there. They're in second. Yeah, <laughs> they're coming up hot. Well, they're tied with the Angels for second right now. And you got Seattle. They were a playoff team last year. I don't think they're playing up to their potential right now. It's going to be a tough division, and I just don't think a 500 record is going to get it done when it comes to July in the All-Star break. If the Angels are at 500, you're going to be hearing a lot of stories that Shohai is being shopped around. I guess we'll leave it there for now with Shohai, but it'll be a big story to watch throughout the year is, will he get traded? Maybe to the Padres. Well, you can keep trading over there, sweetheart. Thanks. The last major team I wanted to talk about this morning, uh, well, not really a team, but just the AL East in general. Wow. The, every team right now in the AL East, including the Boston Red Sox is above 500. That's crazy. We knew this division was going to be tough and competitive, but they are really turning out. You got the Orioles on a four-game win streak. You got the Rays on a three-game win streak. You got the Yankees and Blue Jays tied for third place right now, well, both teams being four games over 500. That's how competitive this division is. And then Boston, too. Yeah, they're one game over 500. So, I mean, like, every team in this division is playing above 500 ball. And it just shows that it's really competitive. The Rays, I mean, thank 
thank God for them they got off to that start. They they need it to stay ahead in this division. Every other team is playing catch-up right now. And yeah. Toronto and the Yankees are playing each other right now, and they, they really don't seem to like each other very much. The Orioles are really doing an interesting job of just continuing to find ways to win. They won 2-1 to one yesterday, but a lot of their games have been high-scoring. They've, they've definitely been scoring a lot of runs. One of the few teams in baseball so far to crack the 100 runs scored mark on the season. They play um, the Tigers right now. So odds are that they'll continue their winning. You know, but the AL East is going to be competitive. I wouldn't be surprised to see at least three teams come out of there for the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because no one literally looks bad and, and there might be some good teams that are going home in October. That's baseball. That is baseball. But, you know, like I said, the Rays undefeated at home, 11-0. and Looking very, very tough there. I even saw they had a lot of fans in the crowd last night for a White Sox game. And and I remember there was a knock on Tampa Bay a couple of years ago that, like, even some of the good teams, like, they were in the World Series in the shortened season, I believe. They were not necessarily drawing well with fans. So it was really cool to see that baseball is alive and well in Tampa last night. That's for sure. And I think having the World Baseball Classic there, too, might have done some help. It, it, it got people like in the area alive about the game. Oh, yeah. Wanted to mention that they were undefeated and they also have almost 10 more home runs as a team than their nearest competitor. So I think that is easily one of the keys to their success as a team. And I'll be curious to see if they can keep hitting the long ball. I think that's all I got for the AL East. It's okay. Just, it's just a crazy fun. You should watch any AL East games that you can. Especially yeah. Yankees, Blue Jays this weekend. Like I said, they don't like each other. And uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. seems to just don't like get me. his season ignited every time they visit New York. That's when his season starts. So because <laughs> he's hitting bombs now. Yeah, he likes to play at the Yankees stadium. He just doesn't want to play for the Yankees. Correct. Okay. Couple nuggets I wanted to mention going into today's games. Okay. I mentioned on the show yesterday that Luis Alvarez on the Marlins is currently the last remaining 400 hitter in baseball. He has a 438 batting average. Now, his games were postponed yesterday, so there is now a double header today. So I'll be curious if he is still hitting 400 tomorrow. We talked about how he can go over his next six and still be hitting 400. Um, but he is the last remaining 400 hitter in 2023. And unfortunately, I think once a hitter dips below 400, it becomes increasingly harder to go back above 400. Um, not to say that he can't get on a hot streak again, um, but obviously if he's hitting 438, he's been pretty damn hot to start the year. So they have two games today. They do. So he'll be getting, I mean, I'm assuming he'll play in both games. Um, he'll be getting a lot of reps at the plate. Sure. Also, important to note that the seven-inning doubleheaders are gone. Okay, it's nine innings now. Every doubleheader is nine innings, and I think that's good since the games are so quick. We don't need hour-and-a-half baseball games. Two no, hours is good. You're absolutely right. People go in there to watch the full game, not just the seven innings. Correct. And it's not fair for the statistics over time because... In 1923, they were playing nine-inning doubleheaders. So in 2023, they should be playing nine-inning doubleheaders. All right. Well, the last thing to get to before we get off the air is the ugly Padres hitting woes, I guess, is the best way to describe them without 
using profanity. Who am I kidding? It's a steaming pile of dog shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the Padres were shut out again for the third time in the week. Uh, this is the second game Fernando has been back, so I think that excuse ship has sailed. I think that the idea that him returning was going to ignite this team with some momentum or fix all these like early hitting woes is just preposterous. We've learned already that Manny Machado is going to sit out today's game with some back issues. Don't know how long that's been going on for. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter mention that he grimaced early on in the season when he swung once. Um, so it could date back to that, but I haven't heard anything about it until just today when I woke up and learned that he wasn't going to be playing today, um, which is fine. It looks like he needs a break. It looks like Soto needs like a three-day vacation, to be honest. Um, it's not going to happen, of course, but some changes need to be made. One of the things that kind of came out in the last 12 hours on at least what I call Padres Twitter is that the Padres don't even have a hitting coach right now, apparently. They lost their hitting coach last year to the Tigers, but they never replaced him by name with anyone in the organization. There's a guy by the name of Ryan Flaherty, I think, and he was rumored to be moving into that job, but I don't think it's officially happened because if you type in Padres hitting coach right now on just Google... Nothing comes no, up. no name comes up and yeah. is, this is the guy. It's all about the previous guy. So that's kind of like that show a weird thing, you know, it, and and you look at like the continued hitting struggles that have been just prevalent since game one of this season. And I, I think I'm at the point where I'm sort of like I'm questioning this decision big time and want to maybe see that get rectified immediately. There doesn't seem to be a good hitting philosophy across the board with this team. You watch other teams that we play against that are just kind of like picking us apart, taking advantage of our pitchers' mistakes, hitting the ball to all fields, not not just trying to pull everything in the power zone. We've been talking about it the past couple of days about you know people's shoulders opening up early, while they're at the plate and just looking lost, off balance, guessing. And now to learn at the end of all of this that there's not even a hitting coach there. It just kind of brings everything together. It makes sense. There's no hitting coach. That's why they're not hitting. There's no hitting coach. There's no hitting philosophy. I'm sorry. The best players in the world need to be coached. Michael Jordan needed to be coached. You need I, a coach, whether it, it's in your personal life or an athlete. The coach is always there to help you get better. And... Knowing that there's no hitting coach, it makes sense. They are not hitting. They yeah. don't have the leader or not the leader, the shepherd that brings all those things together and makes you to get better. You're exactly right. I, I compare this team a lot to the 90s Bulls teams, maybe unfairly. Um, but I just look at the amount of egos and stars that are currently on that roster. No one and baseball believes that they should be playing this bad. I know that. We've all seen all these players play better. They're just not gelling, and I think it's not because they don't like each other. I think it's because they are putting all of this now pressure on themselves because everyone's looking at their career numbers and saying, well, this team should be loaded. This team should put up 10 runs a night, and they're not. They're putting up two hits a night, and they're barely putting any crooked numbers on the scoreboard. And yeah. Lots of solo home runs, and then that's not how you're gonna win games. Correct. The pitchers want to give up solo home runs. They yeah. they don't want to give up multi-run home runs. 
Exactly. So it's been really difficult. You and I obviously love baseball. And one of the reasons we started this podcast is because we watch a lot of baseball every day. And I got to admit, you know, like on day four of this experiment that we're doing, it's like hard to talk about baseball today because of the fact that the Padres is just bringing me down. Yeah. But there are other teams like the Cubs, which is our yeah. other team doing really well. But yes, it is heartbreaking to see the talent that's on the field, not putting up the numbers that they that should be. Doing. Yeah, it is. You, you you hold on to these small slivers of hope. Oh, Soto hit a home run Wednesday. We beat the Braves, you know, like we won the season series against them. And they're a really good team. They're the best team in the National League, pretty much, you know, so. They're just not consistent. We're not consistent. And again, everyone except for Xander Bogarts is hitting below their career numbers right now. So it's really early in the season. I did hear an idea floated that we should just make Nelson Cruz the hitting coach. And I don't hate that idea. He was the general manager for Team uh, Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, and he is a career major league. He's still hitting at the age of like 41 or 42 years old right now in the majors. So obviously the guy has some knowledge about hitting and longevity and wisdom. And yeah. I think that's what you want on this kind of a team. Also, he's from the Dominican. Juan Soto's from the Dominican. Manny Machado's from the Dominican. Fernando Tatis Jr.'s from the Dominican. These guys, at least two out of three of them, Manny and Fernando, are going to be a long part of your team. It's a good idea. I don't hate it. There's player coaches. He doesn't even have to stop playing. They don't have to DFA him or whatever. They can just move him into a dual role. Do you think he would like that role? I do. Okay. He seems like he's got this chip on his shoulder right now to want to be sort of a mentor. I felt like he wanted that role during the World Baseball Classic. And I think Team Dominican didn't perform up to expectations there either. But I don't necessarily feel like it was because of him or Manny or Juan Soto or anything like that. It was just the whole team played down. Well, maybe that was his practice run for a coaching position. And maybe he will get it, you know? Yeah. It's not a bad, a bad idea at all. I, I think it's a good idea. I think uh, either way, though, Padres, hire Shit a hitting together. coach. Hire a hitting coach. All right. Um, oh, I think it is worth noting, despite the fact that I had trouble watching the game last night, uh, Zach Allen is a really good pitcher, and yeah. he is putting up Cy Young numbers right now. Uh Will not be surprised at all if he's there at the end. He looks he looks really good. And uh, Padres, Dodgers, you better be worried because Diamondbacks aren't going anywhere. They look young. They look hungry. They look well-managed. And uh, they are hitting the ball to all fields right now. Yeah. So, Padres, you don't have to look very far to find out the the ways to your success. It's It's right across the street from you right now, literally. And how many games the Padres have to play Arizona? Just twice a year? I, I should know this, but I don't right now. And um, I I know because everybody plays everybody this year, like meaning all the interleague, all the divisions play all the divisions. I don't know if that ate into the games against your divisional opponents or, or what. So I, I don't know. <laughs> but I would imagine that's where they went to eat because that's... That's where you played the most. Yeah. So. It makes sense. However, I would say we still have to play Arizona a few more times this year. We're not going to be done with them in April. No, I don't think so either. All right. Well, we had a lot to go over today. Um, it's Saturday. Enjoy the games today. 
Enjoy the games tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow morning to talk about today's games. And we're going to keep rolling right along with the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. Uh, We hope you're enjoying your time here with us. And if you want, we would really appreciate it if you subscribed to our show and left us a review and told us how good or bad we are doing on Apple. Believe me, uh, every bit of feedback helps. Thank you. And have a wonderful weekend. Oh, well, thanks for chiming in there, Nika. Thanks. (laughs) This is Kenny signing off, and have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.